And good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in this pandemic world. This is Harrison Smith with another episode of Cinema, brought to you by Dark Matter TV. Use this pandemic to catch up on Dark Matter TV, man. They are fantastic. Dark Matter TV is a streaming platform where you can find not just current genre entertainment and horror, sci-fi, thriller, and action, but also classic content that takes you back to the great old days of late night cable and finding those cult and classic films that they just don't make anymore. Available for download on Android or Apple or visit darkmattertv.com. It's free, it's fun, and it's gonna grow. So I saw recently in in the news, I'm gonna kind of go out on a limb here because I got a personal story about this, but I I saw that a a comic, I'm not gonna name his name, uh, recently started tweeting and, and everybody started piling on Ellen DeGeneres because uh, Ellen has worked hard over the, the decades to fashion an image, uh, not only being brave for coming out as she did with her television show, but uh, her, her cutesy, dancey kind of uh, talk show where she's kind of a America's sweetheart. You know, she's worked very hard to craft this image as, as one of the nicest women in America. She does giveaways. Uh, she helps charities. She takes up different causes. And and over the last, I would say, six months or so, maybe even a year, uh, Ellen has been receiving a lot of dust up, uh, especially uh, her, her uh, connection with George Bush. She was photographed smiling and laughing and enjoying time with uh, the former president, George W. Bush, and uh, so forth. And, and now this comic is triggered... Uh, people uh, to write in and, and ask for bad stories or negative stories of, of Ellen that the, the truth is, is that Ellen is is really not the nicest person in the world. And and what she is on television is is just really a persona that she crafts. And, uh, you know, when the pandemic started, uh, Ellen kind of laid everybody off, furloughed her, her crew and everybody was left in a lurch. And the reason why this this qualifies as a cinema podcast is because of the cynical attitude that that we have toward our stars and and as fans. Because as I've done in previous podcasts, uh, fandom has taken on a, a very scary thing. And and most of all, fandom is is derived from fanatic. The word fanatic has an extremely negative connotation, which which implies mental instability. So I wanted to look at this because of the cynical aspect of just suddenly turning on Ellen DeGeneres and a number of other stars. And I'm not talking about the pandemic celebrities at this point that are, are trying to pretend to be relatable and really what they're doing is, is sucking up any kind of media attention, whether it's because they have gray hair, gray roots. I did a previous episode on, on that relatable kind of thing that uh, it's called Look at Me, Look at Me. Uh, celebrities that are trying to pretend uh, to be just like you and I, and, and they're really not. So um, that that is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are these lofty expectations we have of our celebrities. And in the way, for example, of, of elevating Tom Hanks into uh, some kind of saint because he played Mr. Rogers and he's America's nice guy. Make no mistake, Tom Hanks is human and I'm sure he's got his bad days and I'm sure he can get pissed off and I'm sure sometimes he can even be a dick. That's how it works because here's the problem. When you have this attitude that these people are demigods and that they're above normal human behavior, then it becomes a thing where where people then start to latch on whenever there's a crack in the armor. Uh, where they they can look through and go, oh look, you know, they're actually not very nice people. 
I have never met Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, I have heard stories as well for years that she's not the most nicest person and she's definitely not like her on-camera persona. But I'm going to throw it out there. I'll bet a lot of people aren't as well. A lot of these celebrities aren't as well. Their image is what sells. They have a brand. And the problem is when you see these people as human beings and it doesn't jive with the brand that they've created, people cynically then jump on this bandwagon and start trashing these these celebrities. And I'm not sticking up. Look, we're, we're all in the middle of this pandemic and, and a lot of us are facing real financial hardships. So it's really hard to, to stick up for somebody like Reese Witherspoon, who recently published an article that, you know, sometimes she sits in her car and she just can't grasp, you know, the issue of, of the pandemic. Well, I, I tweeted something along the line of, well, then she just, you know, calls up her bank account and uh, suddenly things just get a little bit better. So again, I'm not talking about that. I'm looking at this one comic who's kind of started this piling on of Ellen, you know, going after her and she's the queen of mean and she's nasty to celebrities. And then there was this one uh, a girl that, that went on there. I believe she was uh, transgender and she thought that Ellen was going to be far nicer to her and Ellen didn't greet her in the in the dressing room. And so this girl takes to the media and starts trashing Ellen because this is the cynicism of it all. And that is these people are using their so-called uh, disrespect by a celebrity as really a cynical way of, of getting media attention is what it is. Okay, so Ellen DeGeneres didn't come to your dressing room and say hello to you or talk to you before the show. Who cares? So you're going to jump on the media because this is what's going on and look at me, look at me. This is what this podcast is about because I've got my own personal story of this. And uh, I'm going to get into that in a minute because it involves Tom Cruise. So also a, a bodyguard, a former bodyguard of Ellen DeGeneres came forward and, and he felt his feelings were hurt as well too because she wouldn't look him in the eye and she wouldn't acknowledge him. Dude, your job is to guard her, not to become her friend. And that's it. You're guarding her and her wife or whoever is with her. And that's all your job is. She's not there to win friends. She's not there to become your buddy and your lifelong pal or confidant. And and that is a cynical dick move. And that is, I'm going to go to the media and I'm going to jump on the trash Ellen bandwagon. Again, I don't know Ellen. I'm not coming to her defense as someone who has any vested interest in Ellen. I've never been on her show. I hold no stock in her show. Nothing like that. What I'm trying to say is that there is this cynical attitude of trying to garner media attention and disguising it as some type of knight, knight in shining armor or white knight uh, syndrome kind of thing that I've been hurt. I'm a victim and these people are mean. Look, I've, I've heard horrible stories about Oprah Winfrey. I, I don't know. Everybody seem to, seems to disregard that when Oprah will recommend a book. I want, want to ask you something here. Oprah has no degree in literature. Uh, she has no qualifications whatsoever uh, to recommend books for people to read. She is not a book critic. Uh, however, she is a celebrity and a well-known one and a powerful one. She pretty much runs Hollywood as well. My question is, what makes Oprah qualified to tell you to read a book? I mean, I could picture Oprah one day just going on, picking up the phone book and saying, 
This is the greatest book I've ever read. And I highly recommend it. And watch people run out trying to get a copy of the phone book to see what's in it because Oprah said that there was something great in it. So why do we have this cynical attitude with our celebrities? We love them and we exalt them. And then the Kardashians will turn around and do something that is uh, so tone deaf. Look, you want these people to be wealthy. You want these people to do ridiculous things with their money and and show a a very luxurious kind of life and and wasteful kind of living. You've encouraged all of this. When people go, well, she's Kim Kardashian's only famous for a sex tape, but you bought it. You propagate it. You buy the products they endorse. You watch the television show. The Kardashians have been on now for how long? Over a decade. Somebody's supporting this. And so then all of a sudden they make a transgression and, uh, you know, they, they talk about how hard their life is during this pandemic and everybody jumps all over them. And it's like, I don't understand why you turn on your gods so quickly. You made them your gods and yet you turn around and you kill your gods. Ellen right now is also on the cross and this will pass. I mean, look, she's weathered far worse And again, she may truly not be a nice person in real life. Oh, well, what do you care? The fact is she does what she does. You consume her show. You watch her interviews. So these expectations are dashed when the real problem is when reality sets in. And then the cynical part happens where people suddenly turn on their favorite godlike celebrity. So I'm going to give you a quick example. This is a relatively short podcast this week because I'm revving up in pre-production on a film and and that's a great problem to have and and I'm I'm going to be working, which I'm extremely thankful for. So I'm, I'm not tone deaf here because I know there are people listening right now going, shit, I wish I were going to be working. And my fingers are crossed because as we know, anything can fall apart at any time. So let's go back to around 1988, 89. I'm a kid at that point. I wasn't even 21. And I had a friend who worked, I lived in the Poconos and a friend who worked at uh, one of those action parks. If you remember those back in the day, they were kind of like amusement parks for adults and that they had, uh, you know, kind of thrill rides. And one of the big things that they had aside from like uh, these Alpine slide kind of things and and uh, zip lines. Uh, They had Formula One racing cars. Now, where I lived in the Poconos, the big event up there was the Pocono 500. And this was at the time when Tom Cruise had just done his uh, Days of Thunder and he was in his hanging out with Paul Newman and fancying himself as a stock car racer, you know, NASCAR, all of that stuff. He was into all of that racing stuff. And he actually came to the Poconos several times. And I was trying at this time, you know, to, to break into the film world and I'm writing scripts and I'm doing all this stuff. And I had a friend uh, who worked at Action Park and he got the word that Tom Cruise was coming to Action Park on the park's day off. It was closed, I believe, on a Sunday, but he was renting out the entire park so nobody else could be there. So he and his entourage could ride the Formula One cars. That's what they wanted to do. And so my buddy called me and he said, dude, you need to get your ass up here. I'll let you in. It's just going to be me, you, and Tom Cruise. And and of course, his entourage. And I was like, you got to be kidding. He goes, print up some scripts. Maybe you'll get a chance to give them to him. 
So naive me, I'm thinking, sure, Tom Cruise will take my script. I'll, I'll just go up there. This guy doesn't know me and I'm going to stand there and I'm going to hand over these printed scripts because keep in mind, this is pre-internet, no PDFs, no nothing. I had to go get these scripts printed and bound and I bound them myself, three hole punching and brass fasteners, putting these scripts together because I'm arrogant and dumb enough to think that Tom Cruise is going to take one of my scripts. I'm going to do this. So I print everything up. Like I said, I got them all bound and I'm going up there because hope springs eternal. And so my buddy uh, leaves word for me with the, the other, there were some other people working there and, and the people at the gate knew my name and, and he said, my, my buddy is coming up and I was admitted. So I walked through this park and I could hear the Formula One cars going and I knew where to go. And I walk back to where the Formula One car arena is. And sure enough, there they all are. There were like, I think there were like eight people. And one of them was Nicole Kidman. And she had brown hair at the time. And they're zipping around on this Formula One track and cruises in his car. And they're all zipping around going like crazy. And I'm like, I, I can't believe this. That's Tom Cruise. And Nicole Kidman wasn't really Nicole Kidman yet. She was kind of like, you know, she was Mrs. Tom Cruise. I don't think they were even married yet at that time. They were dating. So he motions me over and he, and he says, yeah, yeah. So we start talking. I said, how is he? He goes, I haven't talked to him. He said, they came here. They went out. They, they've been zipping around. I haven't even spoken to the guy. I'm like, okay. And I go, what do I do? And he said, well, stand over here. And there was like a, a railing, you know, like where you, like the exit. So like a, a metal railing. And he said, just wait behind that. Like don't ambush him. And he goes, I'll introduce you. So I'm like, okay, this, this sounds like a plan. Yeah, we're going to do this. And keep in mind, I have the image of risky business Tom Cruise. I, I wasn't really a Days of Thunder fan. And I believe Cocktail had just come out and I hated Cocktail. But Tom Cruise to me will always be Joel Goodson from Rick, uh, Risky Business. So for me, Risky Business is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. And at that time, like with Ellen and all that, that's my image of Tom Cruise. He's going to be just like Joel. That's what he will be like. So I stand there and I'm just watching them transfix, watching them zip around this track on these Formula One cars. And my buddy is getting nervous and he just keeps motioning me like, you know, anytime that they can ride as long as they want. They rented the whole park for the day. So I'm standing there watching them zip around all over and I've got these scripts and I can still remember my hands being so sweaty that I thought I was going to leave like some kind of stain on, on the covers of these scripts. I, I was terrified. So I'm waiting and waiting and, and I can see my buddy like, you know, this was, this was a big deal for him, man. Like this was important that he had something to offer me because he really believed in me. He said, dude, one day you're going to be making movies. I, I believe you're going to do it. And he really felt this was his way, like, if you get big out of this, if Tom Cruise actually does one of your movies, like, I helped you. Just never forget me. And I remember him saying that. Just don't forget me when you get big kind of thing. So finally, I, I don't know how long I was standing there. They decide that they're done. Like, I don't know if the gas ran out, whatever it was, but they're done for at least a little bit. They got the whole park to themselves. Cruise, from what my buddy told me, Cruise rented the entire park himself just for these like six to eight people. So the, the cars come to a stop and we look at each other like, here they come. And I remember Cruz getting out of the car and he was short, like really short, like far shorter 
than I knew. This is before the internet. So you, you didn't see these people all the time. You saw them either in interviews on TV, like Entertainment Tonight, or you saw them in magazines or, or whatever, but you didn't see them all over the place like you do now. And I remember when Kidman got out, she was really tall. And so this was like an eye-opener to me, even though I felt I was in the industry, which I wasn't. Uh, I was a poser and a wannabe at that point. Um, I was shocked. And then his entourage, and, and they were all having a good time. They were, you know, high-fiving and shaking hands, having a good time, you know, who beat who, whatever. And I'm sure they probably let Cruz win. And they started walking toward us. And so you could see my buddy, he was gearing up like, here we go, man. And they're walking toward us. And I'm standing there and I'm gripping these scripts. I could see my buddy. He's he's revving up. Like, I wish I, it's one of those you had to be there kind of things. I wish you could see what we look like. I mean, I, I had this long hair at the time and, and I had a, a mustache, like this cheesy porn mustache. I must have looked like a real sight. And uh, my other buddy, I always used to say he looked like um, Garth from Wayne's World, but he had dark hair. And, you know, he had these, the big Garth glasses and, and the whole thing and the big frizzed out hair. And so we must have looked like a real pair to Tom Cruise. So this whole gaggle is walking toward us and Cruise is leading them. And I still couldn't get over like, this dude is short. Like, look how short he is. I, I just can't believe it. But it, it was just, again, what I'm talking about is it's the, the realization that these are just people. They're not gods, even though he was, at this point, Cruz. He is Tom Cruise, and this is before he even blew up even bigger. We're bracing ourselves, and he approaches the gate. And I'm telling you, folks, I could have reached out and touched him. That's how close I was to him. And I'm going to say this. I don't think that guy even looked my way. I think I don't even think he knew I was standing there. Now, if he did, he is a great actor, because I got the feeling I could have been a tree, or, or a, a sign standing there. That's how much attention he paid me. And he was about to do the same to my buddy, but he stopped him. And my buddy stopped him and politely said, he said, Mr. Cruz, would you mind uh, signing an autograph for my girlfriend? She's a big fan. And I knew that. I knew, I knew his girlfriend was nuts over Tom Cruise. She even wanted to be there that day. But to my buddy's credit, he was like, no, that's really not cool. And It'll put him in a bad spot, but I'll get you an autograph like he promised her. And all he said was, is, you know, Mr. Cruz, would you please sign an autograph for my girlfriend? And he said her name and he pulled out his Action Park like employee pad, like a little notepad and a pen. And he went to hand it to Cruz and Tom Cruz just threw up his hand and like gave that Tom Cruise smile, like that toothy smirk that he has. And he went something like, get out of here. And he slapped it away and they started walking on. And I remember standing there going, oh my God. And I took, I know I did, I took like a step back. There is no way I'm approaching Tom Cruise to hand him one of my lousy scripts. No way at all. I was terrified. And it wasn't even like I was shocked, like, oh, he's mean. I was scared of the guy. And I stepped away and my buddy just stood there like, at first I thought he was going to cry. And then it was like, do you remember that old Tom and Jerry cartoon when Jerry had like the little nephew or whatever it was and Tom spanked him or swatted him on the ass with a fly swatter and Jerry like built up and you could see the steam rising and the redness going from like his shoulders up his neck to his ears. 
and then the steam came out of his ears and he gave out that uh, Deadly Mantis Jaws the Revenge roar. Right, that roar. He looked at me and I could tell, I mean, I, I, I must have been psychic because I, I think I knew everything that was going through his head. He was embarrassed, he was angry, but he had called me specifically up here to help me and Cruz just dashed him, like cast him aside and dismissed him. And I got to say, like right here, what would it have taken to sign the Action Park notepad? In the same effort that it took you to swat it away, Tom, you could have just taken it, scribbled your name and said, there you go, and walked away. So we're looking at each other. We're probably trying to mentally read each other's minds. Cruz and his entourage are walking away. They're probably like 10, 15 feet away. And my buddy does this. He turns around and out of nowhere, man, he just goes, oh yeah? Well, Days of Thunder sucks and Cocktail sucks and you're fucking short is what he yells at him. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. And all Cruz does as he's walking away, he raises up his hand and flips him off. Doesn't even look back, but just does this like, yeah, yeah, yeah with the middle finger, his entourage is laughing. I will say Nicole Kidman did look embarrassed and they walked away to enjoy the rest of the park. Like it didn't even roll over on him that, I thought like, what if Tom Cruise comes back to kick his ass or something like that? And he didn't, it was just like, he was so dismissive of the whole thing. He just walked away and they were all laughing to go on and enjoy the rest of the park. I remember when I was, when he was done, I stood there and I looked at my buddy and I went, dude, you just told off Tom Cruise. And he looked at me almost like, yeah, I, I guess I did. And I said, and I was here to witness it because you're going to tell people this story and no one's going to believe you, but I was here and I saw it. And he then looked at me and he goes, I am so sorry. He goes, I really hoped you might get a chance. And I'm like, don't feel bad for me. No, you, you look, I appreciate the effort, man. And he said, he goes, why did he have to be such a dick? And I said, I don't know. It's just, it's the way he is. But it was an eye-opener. And look, to this day, I don't hold it against Tom Cruise. It's a hell of a good story because I got a great ending to this. But Tom Cruise was Tom Cruise. And look, he was younger. I, I'm sure if I ever run across Tom Cruise one day and I tell him this story, either A, he's not going to remember it, or B, he's just going to say, what do you want me to say? I, you know, I, I don't know how old he was at that time. He was in his 20s. He was cocky, he had a lot of money, but that was like the first time I remember about, you know, when people say never meet your heroes, that I realized he's just a guy. They're, they're not godlike, they're not above us, they don't have higher moral standards, nothing like that. He was just a guy. But over the years, I've never piled on Tom Cruise or tried to tell my story to some media outlet for, you know, 200 bucks or a thousand bucks. I mean, what did Tom Cruise that's really do that was really wrong? I mean, he was rude. That's that's really about it. He didn't hit the guy. He didn't do anything. And most of all, he didn't say a word to me. I, I'm telling you, I don't think he even knew I was there. I was so insignificant to him, even though there's this you know tall kid standing there with scripts under his arm. He never even acknowledged me. There wasn't even like his eyes connected with me. There was just nothing. But I said to my friend, I was here. I, I'm going to call witness on this, man. I saw it happen. No one will ever believe you told off Tom Cruise. 
So now flash forward to like 2013, I believe it was, and we were shooting zombie killers with um, Billy Zane and, and Dee Wallace and Misha Barton. And uh, somebody from the production office came to me and we had a Facebook for the movie at the time. And they said, uh, hey, Harrison, somebody wrote a message to you on the zombie killers Facebook. And they, they you know, it was really nice. And they sound like they were a friend of yours. Can, can you, uh, you know, answer it? So I, I went back to the office and I looked at it. And it was from my buddy, my Action Park buddy. And he said, dude, you did it. I'm so proud of you. You followed through. You did it. And he he gave me all these accolades. It was very kind. And I responded back something right along the line of this. And I said, thanks a lot. I really appreciate all this. But you are the one who told off Tom Cruise. And I was there to see it. And then he wrote back like a day later. And all it was was, LOL, and I would do it again. And I thought that was fantastic. And then, of course, people reading that post were like, what's this Tom Cruise story? And there is the Tom Cruise story. So the point of this podcast, which is a lighter one and a shorter one today, is is just simply, we need to lose the cynical aspect of believing that these celebrities are above us, that they're more pious, uh, more enlightened. What, whatever the word is that you want to do, and not be offended all the time by their conspicuous consumption. Look, there are times to be offended by it, especially when people have lost their jobs, they're unemployed in this massive global issue right now. And for them to be like whining because, oh, you know, they 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 have five houses and they're isolated. Like, you know, the one video of Ellen saying, this is like being in prison as she's, you know, being imprisoned in her mansion with her pool and calling up her very wealthy and famous celebrity friends. So I, I get all of that. There, there is a line between what I'm trying to say here. But to just turn around and, and start attacking these people because you found out that they're human. I mean, let's, let's really look at it this way. I'm going to end it with this. I'm going to give you a mental image. I want you to picture Oprah Winfrey or Tom Hanks or Jennifer Aniston taking a dump because they do. They sit on the toilet and sometimes they have like really bad, like three in the morning after 10 beers and 50 White Castle burgers diarrhea. We used to call that the shower curtain special. And that's when you're hanging on to the shower curtain and sitting on the bowl and and just letting loose. They have those moments. Okay. Uh, Just picture, you know, Denzel Washington leaving a wicked fart in the car because they do that. They're human. And to turn on them and, and use that as a way to advance your career by, you know, saying nasty stuff about these celebrities to, to really just, you know, uh, build yourself up and get some media attention is a pretty cynical thing to do. So that's my star cinema episode today. I'm excited to, to get back into production, pre-production on something that I'm going to be really excited about delivering to all of you. And it's going to make a great podcast on how this all came together against the backdrop of a pandemic. But listen, wherever you are, I'm hoping things are okay. I'm hoping that whatever situation all of you are in, that it gets better. And we are all in this together. And I'm, I'm recording this in my tiny office and not by my pool with a Kardashian uh, family or Jenner family on my speed dial. So I'm wishing you all well, safety, and good health to you and yours. And join me next week for episode 50, 50 episodes of cinema. This is Harrison Smith. Take care of yourselves and thank you for listening.
Check out my cinema blog on horrorfuel.net and download Dark Matter TV for your Apple or Android devices.